how to break things out of the closet. Uh, I put this one up today. I want you to see. It's not just a guy looking through the blinds, but this is a guy who's got a magnifying glass. And there's a point to that because I got a lot of emails from last week, and I want to welcome everybody watching us. We even had somebody from Tennessee watching us last week, and so many people telling me how much they got out of it. And one of the things I, I got out of the emails and the letters I got from people all over the U.S. and even around here was some of, pe some of the people aren't addictive to things, but they have been in a relationship with people who were addicted. And the people who were with people in addictions suffer as much or sometimes more as the people in the addictions. And so as we study this and we go into this, we see that we're not only here to see the addicted freed, but also those who are victims of the addiction be freed in Jesus' name. And not only be freed, but be healed. And I put in the magnifying glass because one of the things I want to share with you, and I thought about Dave Ramsey. Dave Ramsey in finances, he teaches us, don't try to pay all your debts off. Single out one, the little one, and get the little one paid off, and then go to the next one and get it paid off, and what you use to pay that one off, pay the other one off. And I was thinking that that's an encouraging way to get out of debt when you feel like you owe a lot of money. Well, how about if we have a lot of sins? What if we have a lot of addictions? And, and you've been hearing these messages and you go, Pastor, I've got so many problems. I've got so many things in my mind, so many things in my life. How am I going to get free of everything? I've got this, I've got that, I've got the other. But one thing I want to share with you about is when you get with the Holy Spirit, when you with, get, get with God... You, you don't have to worry about all your sins at the moment. Go to him and he'll point out the one sin. He'll whisper to you. Like you may say, God, take this alcohol away from me. And he may say, I don't want to talk to you about alcohol. I want to talk to you about holding offenses. Because of your unforgiveness is the reason why you're an alcoholic. And we're thinking, i got to get free from these drugs. And he goes... Yes, but I don't want to deal with you about the drugs. I want to deal with the abuse you went through as a child. And you know, many times we look over and I show you the apps. We, get, we go over the Ten Commandments and we go, I, I, didn't, I didn't break none of these Ten Commandments. I didn't break any of the commandments. But yet you go to Proverbs and there are seven sins that it says that God hates. And do you know adultery is not one of them? Do you know coveting is not one of them? You know what's one of the seven things that God hates? Pride. And pride is what keeps us from being free from addictions. I'm going to hide behind my sin. I'm going to hide behind my secrets. And nobody's going to know it. And we're majoring on some major things. And they're wrong and they're sin. But, but God hates pride just as much as he hates any of the other sins. And we say, Lord, I've got all these problems I need to deal with, all these sins. He says, I want to pinpoint, I want to whisper to you. I want to point my finger at the one place I want you to work on. And as we, me, the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, and you, as we work on that one thing, you'll start seeing the other things grow weaker. And as you destroy one thing, you'll see other things destroyed in your life. And so I want to encourage you today, if you've been hearing these messages over the last few weeks and you go, there's so many things in my life, how can I be free? He wants to whisper something for you to deal with. It may end up being something small, gossip, or it might be idleness, it might be something uh, uh, slander, it may be a lying, it may be something small. But those small foxes is what spoil the vine, and he wants to show you those small things. And so we want to see some things on how we can get free. And I want you to look at Psalms chapter 27, verse 13 
14. It says, I would have lost heart. I want you to look at that part right there, lost heart. Heart is where the battlefield is. There's the fight. The enemy's after your heart. He's after, remember I told you, he wants to the sin to be the substitute like Christ was the substitute for your sin. He wants sin to be the substitute for Christ. He's after your heart. He's after your passion. And so David's saying here, I would have lost heart unless I had believed. You got to keep believing I can't overcome. You got to keep saying I will overcome. I will be free from this. That I would see the goodness, and that word goodness is the Hebrew word, the very best of God. That I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. While I'm living, I'm going to be free. While I'm living, I'm going to see the best of God come into my life. In verse 14, he says, wait on the Lord. Wait on him. Be of good courage. He shall strengthen your heart, the battle zone. Wait, I say, on the Lord. In the New Living, it says, yet I am confident. I will see the Lord's goodness while I'm here in the land of the living. Wait patiently for the Lord. Be brave and courageous. Yes, wait patiently for the Lord. And then the message translation says it this way. I'm sure now I'll see God's goodness in the exuberant earth. Stay with God. Say that with me. Stay with God. Look at your neighbor and say, stay with God. Say, take heart. Don't quit. And I say again, stay with God. Wherever you are in your life today, the Holy Spirit wants to tell you, take courage, take heart. Don't quit. If you're at the point you say, I messed up yesterday, well, today is a new day, and His mercies are new today. And as you learn things today, and as you learn things over the last few weeks, and you go back listening, even though you might have messed up since you started hearing this series, it's not over. You stay in the fight, and whatever you do, don't quit. Don't ever quit. We have a lack of courage. This is what we sound like. Well, you know, I'll never get the best of God. I don't deserve the best of God. My life is so busy, hidden with secrets. I wonder even if it's worth the fight. I'm not good enough. No one loves me. No one, I can't trust anyone. My life is all messed up. I can never have the best of God. So many people go around saying, if you would have seen what I've seen or if you would have done what I've done, I hear it all the time. If you would have done what I've done, if you would have seen what I've seen, you couldn't, you, you'd understand where I am. Jesus understands where you are. He knows what you've seen, and he's know where you've been, and he still says, I still love you, and I still want to free you. I'll never give up on you. Can I hear an amen? amen. Look at Psalms 109, verse 22. For I am poor and what? Needy. And what? Needy. And what? Needy. Needy. And my heart is what? Wounded within me. You see that? My heart is needy and wounded within me. There's the open door for addictions. We go, why do I keep falling in the same sin? Why do I keep battling lust and, and the addictions to, to food and the addictions to drugs and addictions to alcohol? Why do I keep going through these things? Here it is. I am poor and needy and my heart is wounded within me. Now, I want you to look at that word needy. A lot of times you hear people say, oh, they're so needy. Oh, that person, they're so needy. That boy, that girl, that man, that woman, they're so needy. They just suck the life out of me. Every time I see them coming, I go, oh, my God. Oh, and they, somebody says, well, what's the matter? That person is so needy. But how many of you know the word of God is never to belittle anyone? And what you're going to see here is that I'm going to show you in the scripture that says that God stands beside the needy. Lord, I'm needy. People go, yeah, you are. Jesus says, yes, you are, and that's why I'm standing right beside you. I'm needy. You can tell God that. I'm needy. 
I'm not a burden. I'm not a care. You hear so many people, they're wounded, people who may talk a lot, people who, who may do a lot of foolish things, people who may commit the same mistakes over and over. You meet a lot of people and you go, oh, they're just needy, they're just needy. Husbands, they say that about their wives. Wives, they say about their husbands and children. And you hear all the time, they're just needy, they're just needy. It's the wounds that cause the neediness. Now listen to this. That word wounded there, uh, my heart is wounded. Now the heart in the Hebrew says the heart is the seat is supposed to be the seat of laughter. It's supposed to be the seat of laughter. But when you've been hurt, poor, and needy, it becomes the seat of discouragement, sorrow, and pain. It becomes the seat of trauma. It becomes the seat of nightmares. It becomes the seat of low self-esteem. It becomes the seat of hurt and pains. It's supposed to be the seat of, 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 of laughter. But the word wounded there, if you take your notes in the Hebrew, my heart is wounded within me. It's the word polluted, but get this. My heart is wounded within me. It's the Hebrew word, get this, it's the Hebrew word for prostitute. My heart that once belonged to me and my innocence and my purity has been taken from me. That which was holy and pure has been taken and given to another who is not theirs to have. That wound means to be prostituted. And if you go ever and have a chance, go read the book of Hosea. And the book of Hosea is about God told a prophet named Hosea to go marry a prostitute as an example of God's love towards Israel who's prostituted herself. And Gomer got married to Hosea the prophet and went and, and, and she had a baby with Hosea after they got married. Then she went back to prostitution and God told Hosea, go back and get your wife. He went back to his, get his wife. His wife was another man. He went, got his wife, brought her home. She had another child. Then they had the baby. Then she went back and she prostituted again. And God kept telling her, go back and get your wife. Go back and get your wife. Go back and get your wife. And finally she fell in love and she saw the man that loved her for who she was. And she quit prostituting herself. When we're wounded, we'll keep giving to others what doesn't belong to them. Where we're wounded, we keep giving to ourselves what doesn't belong to us. How can I truly break these addictions that, that's been in my family for four to eight generations? Do you know how dangerous generational curses are? It's proven in the word of God that God will have mercy. But usually when you come to the 10th generation, that's when you see families totally annihilated. The generational curses just go from one generation to another to another. You find the children doing what the fathers did and the grandfathers did. And you see a continuation there. But the Holy Spirit has given us revelation. And revelation opens the door to addictions. And when we humble ourselves and we cry out, God, I'm needy. I'm not superhuman. I'm not on a pedestal. I'm, I, we sung today, I am man. You're God. God, I'm man. I'm needy. I'm frail. I have failed. I have sinned. I have this addiction in my life. And I want to be free, but I can't get free. It's that type of honesty, heartfelt prayer that moves the heart of God. And you say, Father, I am wounded. Or in other words, what belonged to you, what belonged to me has been prostituted. But listen to this. Mm. That which was pure and innocent and holy has been given away. But that word wounded is the word to be pierced. When they pierced Jesus on the cross, they pierced him in his heart and water and blood flowed. Jesus says, I want my heart to be pierced so their hearts don't have to be. 
what's all dear, the seat of his throne, all of the emotions, all of the feelings was in that heart. And he allowed his heart to be pierced so that our wouldn't. But listen, when a little, and we have so many, Wednesday night we had a prayer meeting. We had four cases of people that we had to pray for, different cases of suicide. We have cases of girls and women who have been raped. Cases of men who have been abused. In this body, there's any story and every story, but that's what the kingdom of God is made of. People who's been hurt, people who have been pierced. People who's gone through things in their life and the images of the fists raised and, and the words and, and, the, and the foot coming at them and the, and the things being thrown at them and all that they went through. What happened in jail? What happened in prison? What's someone listening by internet right now? The things you've been through, all these things, they start penetrating, they attacking you. And according to the soul, it's like a picture. It's like having a picture taken of you. I don't know if my flash is going to come on, but a picture is taken of you. And I'm going to show you in Psalms that there's a, I went to the bottom or in other words, there's a coffin on the inside of me. What happened to my life became a coffin on the inside of me. Part of me died. When I was five years old, I was raped. When I was eight years old, I was raped. I was abused. When I was 12 years old, I saw my mom leave. I saw my dad leave. My mom told me she didn't love me. My husband told me at 21 that he, I, I thought I was his childhood sweetheart, but he lied to me, and he had some others on the side, and he left me. And every time we go through something, a picture is taken, and it goes down inside of that coffin. And these images, many people can remember the first time they had a drink, where they were, or what they drank, and who they were with. Many people who lost their innocence, they remember who it was. They remember their name. They remember what color hair they had. They remember where it happened. They remember what had happened. And even though you want to get those images out of your mind, it seems like those images are there. And you remember the first time you looked at a picture you shouldn't have. Or you remember the first time you stole something you know you shouldn't have. And all these things are bombarded. It's because you think, oh, I've got to get these things out of my mind. These things are tormenting. These things are killing me. And part of me have died and died. And they go inside of this coffin. The book of Hebrews says, and Proverbs Psalms says, it goes down inside of this coffin. But the blood of Jesus wants to hit that top of that coffin today he wants to break the lid off and he wants to set you free because there has been pictures taken of every time you were abused every time you gave your innocence away every time you, you gave something away every time it felt like you prostituted your faith prostituted your innocence prostituted your character every time we've did things and we made mistakes and we hung around the wrong crowd and we did things we shouldn't pictures were being taken pictures are being taken and like many times we think you know well that's an old photograph you know it's it's faded you can't hardly make out anything yet, but yet you still can make out. And no, no, there's my grandpa, there's my dad, there's my great-grandpa. And here's all these photos. But this is the thing about the power of the blood of Jesus. It's not that what happened to you is going to fade away. It's that Jesus is going to take all the pictures and he's going to press delete. Yes, I'm going to delete that photo. I'm going to delete that photo from your memory. And there is such a power in the Spirit of God that is able to delete every experience that not only will you, even as hard, there'll come a time, and it's going to come soon, through the work of the power of the Holy Spirit in His Word, the power of the blood hitting the lid of that casket, there's going to be a time that you'll try hard to even think about who was the first person you were with, what picture you saw, what you did. The power of the Holy Ghost is so powerful that He will be able to come upon you, and He will erase that image, and you will not even be able to remember their face anymore that's the power of God he it's not only does he want to take the addiction out of you he wants to restore you to the innocence you had before you lost your addiction even though you did it that's the power of redemption 
to restore you to the innocence where you were even before you failed, even though you failed. That's the loving power we have in God. That's the reason we can't quit. We can take courage because God has been so faithful. He's not only going to forgive me of that sin. He's not only going to forget that sin. He's going to restore me to where I'm able to forget that sin. Renewed in the image of your mind. Imaginations change. A light going off. When I failed, a light went off. That picture was taken. But he's going to take the lid off of that casket. And instead of having death on the inside of me, life is going to come on the inside of me. Can I hear an amen? Wounded. Look what he says in Psalms 91 verse 31. For he stands beside the needy. How many can say, there's my scripture. I'm needy. I'm needy. I'm needy. What are you? I'm needy. Jesus says, I came for the needy. All those who pretend they have it all together, I can't help you. All those who say, I'll be able to conquer this, I can't help you. All those who say, I don't have a problem. I can't help you. But the person that nobody else wants to fool with because they're so needy, he says, you may be needy to others, but I'm here to meet your need. Because you cried out to your neediness. And because you don't know what to do with what you've been through. And you don't know how to handle the trauma that's been on the inside of you for so long. You, don't, you can't handle the trauma of the addiction of what is done to you or other people. And you still find yourself blaming yourself. Going back in your memory. Remind, remembering things that were done. The Holy Spirit says, I love you too much to leave you in the state I found you in. I love you too much for you to be drowning in your own blood. I love you too much for you to be there just wondering what is ever going to happen to me. Am I ever going to be free? He says who the sun sets free is free indeed. But why am I being tormented day and night? But I want you to know there is power in the blood of Jesus and the resurrection power of the Holy Spirit that is able to make those memories be a thing of the past and all things to become new. Glory be to God. You see, we were taught, don't confess you're needy. Don't confess you're needy. So we didn't even go before God confessing we're needy. And all the same time, sin all the time. He says, I want you to come honest before me. I want you to open your heart. For he stands beside the needy. He's ready to save those who condemn them. Has someone condemned you? Well, there's just no hope for you. You just say, I know somebody who has hope for me. And he's the one who has the power to change me. Condemn those who have no hope. I saw somebody in here. You put on Facebook this week. This is what she said. Don't get nervous. It's good. Somebody said this. I loved it. Tuesday, in fact. The church is not a museum for the saints, but it's a hospital for the sick. I stole that and I put it in my file. Whoever you are, I forgot who it was. The church is not a museum for the saints. We used to make it. Oh, when the saints come marching in, the saints have arrived, baby. I'm a saint of God. Hallelujah. I got it all together. No, it's a hospital for the sick. It's a place for the needy. That's what the feet of Jesus is. It says in Psalms 32, Pauline, here's your verse. Psalms 32, verse 1. Oh, what joy. Somebody shout out joy. joy. Mm, man. What, what joy. What joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven and whose sin is put out of sight. Look at verse 2. What does it say again? Yes. What, what? Joy. What, what? Joy. What joy for those whose what? Amen. Say it out loud. Who's what? Amen. Who's what? Record. So many people say, Pastor, I have a record. Oh, the blood of Jesus says you don't. Hallelujah. 
you, that cough is being opened today. Blessed be the name of God. And those old skeletons in the closet's coming out. It says, oh, what joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of guilt. Whose lives are lived in complete honesty. When I refused to confess my sin, my body wasted away. I groaned all the day long. Day and night your hand of discipline was heavy upon me. My strength evaporated like water in the summer heat. Look at verse 5. Finally, finally, I confessed all my sins to you and stopped trying to hide my guilt. I said to myself last week in our dialogue, I said to myself, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord. And you forgave me and all my guilt is gone. Somebody shout out, all my guilt is gone. I tell you what, I don't know what to think about y'all sometimes. Do you realize your record is free? I tell you what, I used to watch the prices right at my grandmother's house. And I remember there's people there. I've never seen anybody in the prices right and their name gets called. When Mary Elizabeth, please come forward. You're the next contestant on the prices right. I never know, saw nobody go, please let me pass. They call my name. I never seen nobody do that. I never seen nobody walk up there. Hey, you're the next contestant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, what do they do? Oh, man, I'm the next contestant on The Price is Right. Wow! And they act all crazy. Why? Because they're going to be able to bid on the prize. Well, blessed be God. I'm a candidate for joy, unspeakable, and full of glory. I'm a candidate. My name is in the Lamb's Book of Life. I'm a candidate that all my guilt can be washed away. Now, that is something to be joyful about. Woo, come on. Can you praise the Lord better than that? All my guilt is gone. You forgave me and all my guilt is gone. Therefore, let all the godly pray to you while there is still time. That they may not drown in the floodwaters of judgment. For you are my hiding place. Whoa. You are my hiding place. Not my drugs. Not my affair. Not pornography. Not my faking it on the credit card till I make it. Not my clothes. Not my car. Not my house. Not my friends. Not my jealousy. That's not my hiding place anymore. You are my hiding place. This, he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High. You'll protect me from trouble and you'll surround me with songs of victory. The Lord says, I will guide you along the best pathway for your life. I will advise you and watch over you. Don't be like this senseless horse or mule that needs a bit and a bridle to keep it under control. Many sorrows come to the wicked, but unfailing love surround those who trust in the Lord. So rejoice in the Lord and be glad. All you who obey him, shout for joy. All whose hearts are pure. You know, when my wife and I were missionaries, it was a time of just many years of total humiliation. We had this old van, and Sister Pauline remembers our gray, black, and red van. The locks on the big sliding door didn't work, so I put a chain lock, chain bolt, inside. So I had to crawl over my seat to undo the chain to open the door for the kids to come in or anybody else. And I remember we were at this church, and 
lot of times it would break down on the way. So in the parking lot where I had to preach, before I'd go preach, I'd have to change my shirt. It was all full of oil and everything else. And then go in there and preach. And then I locked the chain, let the kids out. Somebody came up to our van. They were going to ride with us. And I got, went through the door, undid the chain lock. And, and I remember this, a millionaire said this. He said, well, you're a missionary. You're supposed to live like this. I remember him saying that. And I remember that my wife and I, when we travel overseas with our kids, by the time we finished traveling, we were able to have 15 pieces of luggage. Five carry-on and two regular suitcases and one stroller. And in the box of the stroller, we stuffed boots and stuff. So we had 15 pieces of luggage. And we had some luggage that would get ripped over the trips. And so we would put duct tape and rope for the handle and duct tape over the holes. And we had duct tape underneath and on the side and on top of where the belt came over. We duct taped that. I mean, we carried duct tape on us. And a lot of people would call that creative. We called it being poor. <laughs> Just being poor. And our suitcases were full of duct tape and all that. I remember we'd be at the airport, you know, in Houston. Or we go into the pastor's house to preach. And we're carrying our duct tape uh, suitcases and going into hotels. Everybody's in these hotels. And the pastor's putting us up in this real nice hotel. And they got an ice figure and somebody playing a harp. And we're walking in there with our duct tape suitcases, you know. You know, <laughs> feeling all weird and chain locking our door. We'd be standing, you know, whose luggage is that? I don't know. This, we were at the airport and they would tell us, you better watch your suitcases. They're still in suitcases. We would think, ain't nobody going to steal our suitcases. <laughs> Man, have you seen our baggage? <laughs> Sir, do you have any baggage to check out? No, I just got trash. <laughs> well, you know, that's how a lot of us have been living. We've been duct taping the wounds in our hearts. We've been duct taping the places where we've been hurt and wounded. And we live this life. And it's so full of duct tape. It's so full of bandages. And you go around your life and you go. Somebody say, well, you know, you can begin again. Who's going to want this baggage? Who's going to want me with all the baggage that I'm bringing? Who's going to want me? Look, I'm all duct taped up. I'm all poor. I'm all needy. Who's going to want me? And Jesus says, come here, sweetheart. I'm not going to repair this luggage. I'm going to give you some new luggage. Because you see, we used to have that old luggage. But when we got here to the States, we threw that junk away. And we started collecting at Marshall's. Uh, what's the name of that red? Swiss Army. Well, come on, suki, suki, suki. I've got some Swiss Army luggage. And when we're not using it, I keep it inside a garbage bag so the dust don't get on it. Because when I walk around, I got, I got to pull that thing up. It's not a rope anymore like I used to have. It's a real pull behind. And when I go to a hotel now, I got my luggage, buddy. Yeah, man, I'm all that. I'm Rod Stewart. Come into town. Get out of here, buddy. I mean, it's all that. Why? Because I was able to trade that image of this is who you're supposed to be for who God wants us to be. Well, nobody's going to want me with this baggage. Oh, yes, they will, baby. Ain't nothing that a little bit of duct tape remover and makeup won't heal. Look at this. I mean for me, not for you. Job chapter 7 verse 11. Look what Job said. Therefore I will not keep silent. 
okay, there, there's how you get out of your addiction. You've been hearing it all morning. Therefore, I will not keep silent. I will speak out of my anguish of my spirit. Oh, if you ain't got nothing positive to say, you better not say something. God says, come on, baby. Come sit down and tell me all about it. What's bothering you? Let daddy hear it. Out of my anguish spirit, I'm going to complain out of the bitterness of my soul. One out of four little girls are sexually molested. You don't think there's a lot of baggage going on? Do you think just being able to tell somebody, you know, you'll get over it, baby. Give it time. No, what you need is the power of the Holy Ghost who's able to go into every part of your DNA and all over the part of that drama and open that casket and let the dead come alive again in Jesus' name. So many believe that I'm hooked on things and I'll never break free, but the Lord wants you to know that you can be free. Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you, Give your bodies, say my bodies, give my bodies to God because all he has done for me, all that he has done for me, Lord, I give you my body. All that you've done for me, I'm not going to give it to the drugs or the alcohol, the sex, I'm going to give it to you. Let them be a living and a holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but look what it says, but let God transform you into a new, somebody shout out new, new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing in his sight. Say with me, Heavenly Father, renew my mind with your truth. Help me replace lies with truth. Renew my mind to the Spirit. You see, the Lord wants us to go to a place where we're, we're new and we're taking those things, old things away. When, back, back when I was 14, I homeschooled and I got a full-time job. My first full-time job was cleaning carpets. I, I mowed yards, but my first real job was cleaning carpets. And we cleaned in Bunky and Ville Platte, even here in Alexandria. And um, we, we would hook up to the hot water system. And I had this big, long brush, a little brush and a bone scraper. And the bone scraper was to get gum and stuff out of the carpet that you couldn't get. But how many of you know, there are, as a professional, you see people vacuum. How many of you <laughs> vacuum like this? Can I see your hand, please? How many vacuum? Huh? Okay, you need deliverance. That is not how... <laughs> That is not how God ordained you to vacuum. You don't just vacuum any way you want to. How many of you know you vacuum in a straight line? Huh? How many know you vacuum in a straight line? Okay, for all you uh, holier than thou who raise their hand that you vacuum in a straight line, I got something to ask you. How many of you, while you're vacuuming, there's a piece of lint? And how many get that lint and you go over it and it don't come up, so you go over it again. How many of you end up attacking the lint? Can I see a hand? Huh? How many of you attack the lint? Huh? Okay, let me ask you this. How many, and you're the ones who really need the deliverance. How many pick the lint up, throw it back down, and then, huh? Can I see a hand? How many? Okay, we got some here. Okay, we got some. Okay, 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 we got some here. Praise God. See, the Lord has anointed me to help you. You need some help. Come on. You need some help. Listen, you get that lint and you, <laughs> you pick it up and you throw it down and you go back over it. And how many know sometimes it don't come up? So, huh? You have to pick it up again and you throw it down somewhere else and it don't come up. Let me tell you something. What my boss taught me is you pick it up and you put it in your pocket. And by the time we would finish doing a home, 
I'd have both pockets full. I'm not kidding you. And then you go to the trash and you empty all the lint up in the trash because there's no way for it to have stayed in the fibers of the carpet. But how many of you know that when it's in the fibers of the carpet, and I'm talking 75, 76, we had the shag going on. I mean, the big orange shag. Y'all remember the big orange and green shag? I mean, it, man, Cheech and Chong was up in there sometimes. And, and I mean, we had the shag going, and the, fi the, the fibers were getting stuck, and it's like, man, to get it out and everything? Well, that, that's how the addictions are. And you throw it down, and you think maybe next Sunday the preacher will preach something that'll suck it up. But you go home, and there it is again. And you attack it, and you attack it, and you attack it. You pick it up, Lord, I give it to you, and you attack it again. You're going to have to grab it. And you're going to have to say like Popeye, I can't taste it anymore. I can't taste it anymore. And you're going to have to get some spinach, and you're going to have to go, I can't taste it anymore. And you're going to have to get mad with it. And you're going to have to get the Holy Ghost anointing on you. You're going to have to deal with it. And you're going to have to say, I take this one piece of lint that's in my life that keeps tripping me up. I got a white carpet and that red piece of lint keeps showing up. And I'm tired of it keeps showing up. So I'm going to get that one piece of lint. I'm going to take it and I'm going to trash it in the name of Jesus. One piece of lint that's stuck in the fibers of your body at a time. One lint at a time. One lint at a time. And I'm running out of time here. But it's stuck. Ephesians 4 says, throw off. Say that with me. Throw off. I mean, just don't put down. Throw it off like you're going to kill it. Throw off your old sinful nature, your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Self-deception. You know what self-deception is? I don't have any lust. Yeah, I heard y'all talking after y'all went and saw Thor. Boy, did you see that man? Never mind, I won't go there. <laughs> Your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. It's going to take some spirit time. It's going to take some carpet time. You're going to have to get on that carpet till you suck and swallow that piece of lint. You have to get on the carpet time and cry before God. Lord, I've got this deal. I want to deal with it. It says, let the spirit renew your mind. And look at Psalm 71. You who made me stare trouble in the face. Whoa, let's look at that. You who made me stare my addiction, my adultery, my lust, my fornication, my pornography, my drunkenness, my alcohol, my, my drugs, my gossip, my hate, my unforgiveness. Holy Spirit, God, come to me. And God comes and grabs you by your head and says, you want me to come? Look at that. And just like a dog, when you want to make it smell where it just did something, he says, stick your nose in it. No, no. You want to be free? Yeah. Stick your nose in it. No, no. You're going to have to deal with it, son. You made me stare what my trouble is. I didn't want nobody to know about my, my trouble. I don't want to know about my trouble. I ain't got no troubles. All I, I don't have no troubles. All I need is faith in God. And God says, come here, boy. Come here, daughter. You see that? No, God. 
That thought, look at that thought you had. No, look at that thought you had. Yeah. You see that thought? You see that imagination? That's what I want to deal with you about. And when you stop trying to turn away and you look at it, and he says, I want you to stare at it. I want you to stare at it until it starts breaking your heart. I want you to stare at it until you start feeling something warm come up on the inside of you. And you start hating what I hate. And you start loving what I love. That's how you break the addiction. Stare at it. Stop denying you don't have a problem. Stop denying you can quit when you want to. The truth is, I know your heart. You go there too often. That casket is laying there. You made me stare trouble, temptations, addictions in the face. Now look what it says. Turn me around. We've been using that word for over a month now. Turn. Turn me around. Let me look life in the face. I've been to the bottom. This is where the casket is in the Hebrew. I have been to Hades. There's a casket for dead things of my past lying inside of me. But look what he says. Bring me up. Say that with me. Bring me up streaming with honors. Can you believe not only God is going to bring you up, he's going to bring you up as an honored child of God. Turn to me. Listen to what he says here. Be tender to me. Be tender to me. And make me take up the loot and thank you. Restore me, Father. Restore all that has been taken away from me. Restore all that has hurt me. And I'll, I'll finish with the scripture here. Jeremiah chapter 30 verse 17. For I will restore health to you and heal you of your wounds, piercings, lost, says the Lord. Because they called you outcasts, saying that this is the church, this is a daughter of God, this is a son of God. No one seeks her. Nobody wants this baggage. Nobody wants this luggage. Nobody wants this problem. But the Lord goes on to say, but I'll call you beautiful, redeemed, and restored in my sight. Don't we have an awesome God? Would you stand with me today, please? Would you stand today? As we look at ways and methods of how we're going to get restoration to our minds and our souls. Some of us have a lot of baggage in our life, baggage in our marriage, baggage in our work. Do you know even losing a job or a job, uh, our business closing down can cause trauma? It can cause death to be inside of you. Some of you are still suffering over the loss of something important and precious to you. Father, forgive me of wrong mindsets and images. Forgive me for hurt and hurting others. You may want to pray that right now. Forgive me for being hurt and forgive me for hurting others. Just you open the heart and you pray to God in your own heart. Forgive me and help me for I am needy. Heal me as only you can. Do supernatural miracles in my body, my mind, and my emotions. Work a miracle in my life today. Lord, I come to you today weary from the fight, hurt and broken, wounded and pierced. I come to you today, Jesus, knowing that I was on that was lost, but you came to save and seek me. I'm sick. I need healing. I ask you today, Jesus, to save me from my baggage, my luggage. 
Save me from the pieces of my life that I've put together the best way I can. But yet has led me down into wrong relationships and wrong choices in my life. Heal me today, Jesus. Give me a whole life. Give me your life. I need a savior. I need a healer. Forgive me of my sins, I pray in Jesus' name. Today, every head bowed and every eye closed. As you're right there, as I am, each one of us, searching our hearts, staring our trouble in the face, not thinking about other things, but staring that trouble, that problem in the face, repenting before God and asking the Father to give me wisdom and counsel how to conquer, how to defeat, how to pick it up and throw away and not leave it down for another day. As we're opening our heart before the Father, each and every one of us, for we're all human. We all have areas in our life where we need the mercy and the grace of God. As your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed and you're praying to your Father, is there anybody here today that you say, Preacher, I don't know Jesus. If I die right now, I don't know where I'll spend eternity. I know I need to be saved. I need a Savior and I need a healer for my life. If that's you, I want to invite you right now. Just raise your hand right there where you are. Just raise your hand and say, I need a Savior to lovingly and tenderly love me back. Rescue me and save me. I need freeing. I need forgiving. Is there anybody at all? Anybody at all? God bless you, sis. God bless you. Is there anybody else today? Christians, be praying. Be praying. If you have something you need to lay at the altar, come lay to the altar. If you want to do it right there at your chair, do it right there at your chair. Just give it to Jesus. We're coming free. We're going to be a free church. We're going to be effective for his kingdom. But it's going to be one step at a time. Is there anybody else here? I need Jesus. Anyone at all? As Christians are praying, as you continue to pray over your life.